Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sidner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with creators and artists from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul from Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. We hope you enjoy the show. And we're back with another fun, action-packed, house, inside the house episode of Mouthing Off, a theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond. I'm Kevin Couchman, joined by my my number one actor, the person I rely on the most <laughs> as, as an actor, Amanda Forstrom. Amanda, how are you? I if I'm number one in your book, Kevin, that's good enough for me. I I can I can quit and I can retire now. Oh um, great! I, I'm doing I'm doing awesome, and I'm excited to have a conversation with Mari because she's doing exciting things in New York, and we just wrapped up One Good Marriage, our first full production, so that's really exciting. Mari, how are you? I'm good. I'm just so excited to be back with you guys. Because hey. Kevin and I got to record for Art of Darkness Live, but Amanda, yes. you were not able to make the recording because you were busy that day. I right. was, yes, which we'll get we got... into why probably <laughs> later. But we'll leave a little mystery for now. Okay, Ooh. yeah, let's see. Yeah, well, we should because that show is actually currently running. The other stuff we're going to talk about is stuff that we just recently did. So maybe we lead with it. Why don't you pitch, if you want to see the great Amanda Forstrom in something that isn't a bad mouth joint, whatever the kids say to kids still say that. What, what do you have going on right now, Amanda? I know you're in a production in the Twin Cities in St. Paul at Hamlin. Tell us about it. Yes. So I'm going to pull up the breakdown here. But while I do that, uh, I am doing a show called Red Speedo by Lucas Nath. And you might know him uh, from the play The Christians, a Doll's House Part Two, which I believe was on Broadway with Jessica Chastain, I believe. Um, and he also wrote, oh gosh, um, I don't know. He's uh, and he wrote uh, Night. No, he, yeah, he's a pretty what? widely produced playwright right now. He's having a, a banger career, and Red Speedo is very popular. I'm very, I'm interested in the fact that it's set at a pool. Uh, yes. Okay. Interesting. So it's a four person show, and it is currently running the next three weekends. So until July first at Hamlin University's pool, uh, because it is about. And I'll give you a little overview here. Uh, it is an Obie-winning play by the Tony-nominated playwright of A Doll's House Part Two. Ray has swum his way to the eve of the Olympic trials. If he makes the team, he'll get a deal with Speedo. If he gets a deal with Speedo, he'll never need a real job. So when someone's stash of performance-enhancing drugs is found in the locker room fridge, threatening the entire team's Olympic fate, 
Ray has to crush the rumors or risk losing everything. Red Speedo is a sharp and stylish play about swimming, survival of the fittest, and the American dream of a level playing field or of leveling the field yourself. All right, and that's from Walking Shadow. Where can people find tickets? People can find tickets, oh goodness, at walkingshadow.org. There's a link there. And Walking Shadow has been around for a while, at least, I believe, nine or ten years, possibly more. And uh, they actually produced his play, The Christians, to some really great reviews. So if you liked that show, if you saw it or if you missed it, you might want to catch this next one. What's it like performing in a pool? (laughs) You know, the first thing I will say is that it is very warm which I'm a person who usually runs cold. So that is an extra special, wonderful treat for me. It's just warm and humid in there, which, uh, and if uh, lay people might not know this, but if you're talking a lot in a cold theater with um, circulating air and it might be dusty in there, uh, your voice can dry out. And especially if you're doing a longer show, like a Shakespeare show, or if you're doing a musical. So being in a warm, very humid environment is really helpful and really awesome. Um, and it just, I don't know, it just puts you in, it makes it more real in that place. And you hear the gurgling noises of the water and of the pool drain. And you have, you know, the, the, there's not really a light, uh, set up there, you know, as a traditional theater might have, you know, there's no like gobos and whatnot. There's just, you know, the pool lighting. And I think some of those things make it a really special and unique production that you wouldn't normally see. And so those things are really special. So if you can get out, please catch it. Great. I'm glad we got that done. We want to get that up early in the episode because that's something people can go see and enjoy. And of course, you can find our back catalog of online material at badmouthtc.com, including Mari's new play, Nebraska, which we did a reading of, in addition to a reading of my play, The Animals. It's one thing we're committed to at Bad Mouth Theater Company, putting out digital product. Even, Even if it's not fully realized, these aren't complete radio plays with bells and whistles. But if you're into the theater, you're maybe not in the Twin Cities or you missed the show, you can at least kind of catch catch the vibe a little bit about of what we got going on. And this episode is just th- the three of us. Normally we do interviews and we've got some good guests coming. We've got uh, someone uh, from History Theater and their show Glenn Sheen coming up. We're also going to talk with an absolute mob of people uh, who are all involved in productions of musicals at the upcoming Minnesota Fringe. And I look forward to that. It's going to be very, very interesting to see. I don't know how many people RSVP to that, but it's going to be quite a, quite a time. I think we'll be, we'll be okay. I've, I've run a lot of interviews, but never for like eight people. So I don't quite know what to expect, but this episode we're going to do. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, that's going to be a wild episode. So if you like Fringe and you're excited about what what to see and the musicals and the kind of shows and who's behind them and who builds them, or if you've even never been to Fringe before but always wanted to, this is going to be a great introduction episode to all of the goings on at a Fringe festival and behind the scenes and on stage. And it's super exciting. 
Mm. Yeah, and I think formally this episode is going to kind of serve as like a little 2023 season recap. A recap our our spring season. We did a couple of readings. We did a production of One Good Marriage, and we recently did an event for my other podcast. And I think we'll, we can just go chronologically uh, through that. And I also want to hear uh, after that. I want to hear about what Mari has got going on in New York City because she was involved in a in a production out there as well. But first, why don't we go back over what we did here in the spring at Waldman Brewery and then over at Phoenix. What did we start with? I think we started with my play, The Animals. Okay. How was it? Did you have fun? I mean, I'll talk about my play all day. I I really enjoyed it. It's It's lovely as a writer to have a context, but also to to feel like, you know, there's always an element of self-production, but I feel like we're at a level and we're at a place where it's like, no, and not that we produced it, but it's like, no, this is a, a thing we've created. We have a little audience. We have people who want to come out and hear readings. Let's do it. Let's let's do it ourselves, doing the thing, doing it on our own. So I really, I really love having that as a, a theater company. And then, of course, as a playwright, a deadline, if you've told actors, hey, we're going to have a, a script and you only have the first that first act. That's how theater should be. That's how theater is at like at its best. Like actors might hate this, but rewrites up until the day. What do you mm -hmm. think? Amanda? That's how you keep it fresh. Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, there was, I, I'll only draw this comparison because as an actor, there's really nothing that, that compares to that as that pressure at that level. Um, except there is a uh, Shakespeare uh, experiment that I did called Bootleg Shakespeare through Taffety Punk Theater Company, and they used to pro produce a one-night bootleg Shakespeare at the Folger Theater in Washington, D.C., and you would have – they would give you the script and your part 30 days before or one month to the day, and you memorize as much as you could, and you had one day, the day of rehearsal, you got there at 9 a.m., and you pretty much quit at – Five five thirty had about an hour break, and you went on no script in hand. And if you've ever had any actor nightmares, those that doing that will get rid of it. Will yeah, we'll get rid of those quite quite uh, easily because it's your nightmare come to life. But that's the only equivalent I can actually find to like having a deadline to write. I can't imagine how you guys do it. It's it's crazy, but it's awesome. Well, what do you what do you think when uh, when playwrights are bringing in? I'm you know this is just a reading we did, so it's not quite the same. But have you worked with a playwright who and you don't need to name names uh, who is bringing in pages at the last minute, uh, even in a reading? Because if not, you're going to get to, because I'm going to do that to you <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, is this the part where I say, yes, I have, so that you don't do it? I'm just kidding. No, but no. They, ha they have the Kennedy Center Festival of like new work on Labor Day weekend, I believe. And having done that for probably about six years, um, you had more uh, produced playwrights, uh, kind of more who were... Uh, how do I say they were had a handle on their work and they knew what they wanted sure. to say. And so their rewrites were pretty um, expected and and they got the feedback that they wanted and nothing was too crazy. And then you had some who were sort of new playwrights and they would just, yeah, half of the play would be gone and there'd be a new 50 pages or only a new five. And then were you're they like, okay. Explicitly workshops. Cause if they're workshops, yes. that's fine. Okay. Right. 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 Yeah. Nothing up yeah. to a production value of a new play. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I know of an actor in D.C. who worked on a show at Woolly Mammoth who also uh, specifically focuses on new work. And they did experience that. And they got about 10 to 15 new pages. And it was a cast of mainly four people. Ooh. And it was it was uh, and they were changing it up through the previews. And uh, I, you hear you hear stories of that, and yep. that but is the poof, whoa, doggy. You go back to your room, and what do you do? You just run, 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 run lines, get the lines into your head. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And you and you would you know get as much sleep as you are able, but I mean, if it takes even as an understudy, and you learn that you're going on. I mean, I would stay up almost all night and get like four hours of sleep and then go on practice again all day. And then, yeah, and you do you do it. That's because it's because you are a professional. And that's that's right, Kevin. (laughs) You are. You are a a rare bird. And we're going to get to it because you and I just went through a really protracted process. But the animals, I really enjoyed that. The play needs work. They always do. You know, readings uh, are never the final product. There are a few things I want to change and tweak. But gosh, that was fun. People were laughing quite a lot. Again, you can go and hear hear that. I I was so pleased at how my my talking parrot, the anarchist parrot, uh, came over. And of course, of course, this is a play about a veterinarian who's struggling with an addiction and is kind of losing her mind. I tend to write about people losing their minds. I've noticed that a little bit. Uh, it's it's good, Kevin, that... because I tend to play those people. I don't know what that <laughs> says about us. but Sure, sure. Well, um, yeah. And it's set here in the Twin Cities, sort of spiritually. I don't uh, call it out too much. I, You know, when you're writing a play, there, there are a couple of different schools of thought about this, but generally people kind of you want to kind of set it in in a in a kind of in every place at the same time some plays benefit from like rock solid specificity uh but this one i was like okay we're gonna set it in a certain place we kind of know it's in minneapolis st paul uh but you know I, i i might even write it kind of explicitly and then just strip that away so it can be a little more it can be a kind of a larger container uh but uh, it was really, really fun. And of course, there's that part for the the actor. It's a three-hander. There's a part for the actor who gets to play a variety of animals, a menagerie of animals against uh, the role that you played, Amanda. And I, I just think it would be so fun to do uh, because it could be, I think that you could do it in a way, obviously I'm a playwright who thinks it'd be fun to do his own play, of course, but like, I think you could do it in a way where it was like, not over not um i don't know not over rendered like how do you show people this is a snake on stage a talking snake mm-hmm. we'll we'll have a play with it yeah but what did you what did you i've talked a lot what did you take away from that reading uh amanda from doing it and i'm not looking for praise i just want to know what you sort of what it was like no i i really loved it and i think it had it has a really solid foundation i think it's like you know 89% there. Um just some tweaking and polishing, but I really thought it was it's a strong story, it's a strong play. It's a great actors play. There's only 3 of us and we're really in it. And something that I really love about new work and especially yours and yours as well, Mari, is that it has such a strong voice without being too identitarian of some sort. You know, um, it doesn't prescribe to a certain 
culture or only speak to a certain group of people. I think it's really it's your but yet it's your own voice, which well, I really appreciate. Yeah, that's one of the things I admire about, say, Beckett, where mm. they're the theatricality. It's just so some would argue it's not. But I mean, it, it just you they're so those plays are so iconic and kind of wide open because they're there's not that much specificity. Like it's, it could be someplace, it could be any place. And if you do Godot in Minneapolis after the civil unrest, it's going to take on a certain meaning. If you do it in LA around mm-hmm. the Oscars, it'll take on another, do you know? And theater, yeah, all, the, theater all the best mm-hmm. theater is stuff that you can project onto. Mm-hmm. That really is the best is when it gives you room to project onto something now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Or mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't matter where you are. It'll take on a different meaning. And I, People are in different headspace. Yeah. And I do like the fact that we're moving away from sort of this, you know, Noel Coward. I love Noel Coward. It's totally fine. But that sort of uh, or Neil Simon sort of like living room play um kind of like neat little box wrapped up in a bow, which are super fun. I love those. And, you know, I mean, I'll perform anything, but I love (laughs) what's coming out of COVID and sort of this, you know, what everybody was doing with their spare time. And it's sort of like, you know, you, you peek in and you open a box and like out comes confetti of like, it's just, I'm super excited. It's great. Well, and I can't wait to write. I'm I'm going to announce it on this podcast. I have a very concrete idea for a one-woman show that I'm going to go into the process of writing with Amanda in mind here soon. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. In fact, Amanda, you and I at some point are going to have to, I don't want to turn this into a production meeting, but hey, uh, you and I at some point are really going to want to get like, we'll get a working document going. I know we have our little, our sort of cheeky little chat that we have about it where we're just dumping stuff that's it's almost like a mood board for um, the concept. I was gonna say it's a mood board, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. We, oh God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if the it's art, our if Pinterest any... page. <laughs> Pinterest chat, it, if you will. It kind of is, yeah. But I <laughs> I, we, I really want to make a concrete like reading list and a and like a kind of a movie watch list because I'm excited about this one. And it's gonna have to have a very concrete structure it's going to be a kind of a murder mystery but also a bit of a this is going to be a little political thing in there uh but not polemical and oh boy i can't wait to write that i'm i'm just at a point in my life right now where i'm torn and out in a million directions but i'm going to make time for it yeah go ahead no i was just going to say that's this is really exciting because saint paul uh you're hearing first mention of an idea a seed of something that will come about because mm. of our that will be seen and heard, you know, maybe not the whole thing, but at Waldman uh, a little bit, an excerpt and hopefully uh, produced fully sometime in 2024. So it kind of gives a cool idea for the audience to see like how long or how short something can take and uh, how, you know, how ideas kind of are cultivated and mm. we might start somewhere and end up somewhere completely different. But right. So if you're listening you're on the to journey this, with us, there you go. If you're listening to this in 2024 and you you just saw the one woman show and you didn't like it, you know where it started. <laughs> you'll, know, <laughs> you'll know right where it began to go wrong. No, I think it's going to be good. And I've always wanted to do one of those uh, as a playwright. One of the fun things about being a playwright is that every new play can exist with its in and needs to exist, should exist with its own dramaturgy 
which means its own sort of how how did, how is drama activated on the stage? It needs to have its own grammar. It needs to have its own language. It needs to have its own rules. Uh, and you know, you can once you discover your voice as a playwright, you can begin to carry over certain things that people will notice. Oh, that's a that's a Mari Sittner play, or oh, that's a you know a Nath play, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the, but each play should begin. The whole process of writing a play kind of begins anew every single time, and this is one thing I tell new playwrights, young and old, if you're just starting out, like you, you need to rediscover what you're doing every single time. And one great way to do it is to give yourself weird restrictions, not even that weird, like concrete. I'm going to write a three act play that's set in a living room. Okay. Maybe we're tired of living room plays. Okay. I'm tired of living room plays, but I just gave myself that rule. So how do I subvert that? How do I twist that? How do I do something different? I'm going to write myself a two-hander. There can only be two actors on stage. How do I do this? Those, those things are crucial. You could go the other way too. You could say, I'm going to write a play for 30 actors. And just, just, and who knows? Maybe one day that becomes one of the most popular plays in the country, and it's done at high schools and colleges all over. You know, you have these. You don't need to think commercially, although the inclination generally is kind of like, hey, let's write a play for two people or three people or one. And I've, I'm, I'm in my forties, and I have not written a one-person show yet. So for me, it's like this great adventure that I'm getting ready to go on. Yeah. And I, I will say, I've done. Two two-handers now. I've done a few three-person shows, four-person shows. So never never a one-woman show. And it's like the iconic thing, you know? So St. Paul, you never know when it's going to happen, but it's coming. I am. And I know you can handle it now. So fun. Uh, well, you say Mari, that now. Uh, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. <laughs> Amanda, if there's and, anyone that can do it, you can do it. You guys, I got yes, my pep talk. Everybody should have a pep t- pep talk with Kevin and Mari before yeah, they go this... on stage and do stuff. Who uh, is more privileged than us that we get to do our pep talks uh, on the air, 94.1 FM, uh, Frogtown Radio, and then over the internet. It's great. Theater people need this. We got You got to be giving each other high fives. You got to be boosting each other up because theater can be a very, very thankless and uh, alienating practice so well, it's nice why to... we do it because uh mm. what did, what did, what does she say in chicago because um because none of us got enough love in our childhoods yeah <laughs> and that's how you do it ah uh, yeah uh, I, I'll, I'll co-sign that yeah if you don't want your kids to go into the theater make sure you 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 let them know that you love them uh maria Mar- you weren't you weren't in town for for the animals but you were you were involved in it. So I mean, I was was lucky enough to bear witness to the digital recording of it, Mm -hmm, which was mm -hmm. so fantastic. I mean, all of those actors were really, I mean, Amanda, but everybody else involved was really giving their all. And it was, and it was nice to see something that was set locally that dealt with kind of local issues, even if it is in a sort of every place. Mm. And it was, and it's always great to hear new work yeah it's always the best and i need to nail this more in further drafts but i've been meaning to write like an opioid addiction play for a long time and so it felt it was pretty cathartic to to get that Mm -hmm. out of my system i don't think i'm finished with that player potentially even with that topic but 
In any case, that's enough about the animals. You can go listen to it at badmouthtc.com and possibly see a future production of it from this same theater company and in Salah, other theater companies at some point. But we're definitely taking our own uh, work by the horns here and driving things forward. I think we'll have an exciting production idea to announce here soon for 2024. That brings us to Nebraska. Mari's new play, which also has a kind of a medical pharmaceutical theme. And we it's read that. Like there's at, something mm-hmm. happening in the world. <laughs> yeah. I think they call that the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah. Something's going on. Tell people about Nebraska, Mari. Yeah. So Nebraska, it's a show for four actors. It's a comedy, family comedy, dark comedy. Like you said, it's got kind of a medical twist on it. Um, I kind of was setting out to write something almost Neil Simon-y it, it, in that was kind of the restriction that I gave myself is I hadn't done that before. So I was like, I'm going to write something that takes place in one or two rooms in a house with four people and they all have to be there and I have to justify all of those entrances and exits. And that turned into a little bit slapsticky, but that's fun. That's the thing about the theater is you can't, just, I mean, you, yeah, you you can, but you can't just cut away when they leave Sl- the room. You have to slapstick, make leave the room. Slapstick makes it sound so down market. Talk about it being a little more like Moliere. It's a little more French. It was of- super highbrow. Mm-hmm. That's what I yes. will say. It was extremely, right. it's very sophisticated. It's mm-hmm. highbrow. Uh, they eat <laughs> corn and frozen foods. Sure. Um, they're, they're. Well- playing around in the kitchen yeah it's a family it's a family comedy about an infiltrator from the medical industry who kind of rocks a family's world and ultimately brings them together very funny and people people really enjoyed it i can say as somebody who was you know was a, a bit of an outsider i mean i worked on it with you uh you know as like sort of directing the reading and everything but yeah and people are it's one thing I like about Waldman, our great hosts at Waldman in the space they give us. There's really nowhere to hide. And if it's not working, you kind of know when it's not working. And then when it's working, they're right there sitting on top of it. I really, really like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I was sat in the back the whole time, like curled curled in a ball, taking notes. <laughs> so um, that's, just you, that's just what you have to do when you when you hear your show for the first time. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, that was it. I'm over it. I and then you do so it again the funny time. because I could like absolutely never write something and then have it be performed in front of people. I just I don't know how you guys do it. A but then B there are so many compliments, Mari, that and comments after the show about like holy cow, you know she wrote that. She's so young and it's so good. And Kevin, I think you really said it best. There were some moments in that play. I'm like, wow, that is really unexpected and powerful and just sticks with you months later and yeah it's well, just, tell me tell it's me how great. you really feel man uh no but it was you've got shades of sam shepherd going on in this play mm-hmm. i mean in a in a different climate in a different world people be raving about this play in process and we're gonna get it we're gonna get it there you're just gonna you gotta keep working on it i one piece of advice I'll give unsolicited, but it's also I'm giving it to myself is beware being too satisfied with readings because the, the Mm -hmm. American theater will, will read you to death and 
then, but theater is, I mean, I love doing readings. I get a lot of artistic satisfaction from it, both as a, as a playwright and a participant, but they're not the real thing. No, uh, and fingers crossed, there is some small production of this in New York in the fall. Oh, it's are, in is talks. It, okay. <gasps> ah. Let's hear more. What? That's, that's all that it is, <laughs> is in, is talks. But well, I don't need an, I don't need an excuse to get out to New York. So if that happens, I think it may be a road trip, Amanda. What do you think? I Absolutely. think we might have to make Bad it Bad Mouth Theater Company road trip to, to NYC. <laughs> and then we'll get all our St. Paul, New York listeners, you know, out there. And it'll be awesome. Great. I hope that happens, Maury. And that pressure, too, to actually get the script ready and to get it on lock. And needless to say, if there's anything we can do to help, you just let us know. Yeah, that rocks. Well, I think that might be a good time for you. You know, we're we're still going to go through our season, and we were just talking mm-hmm. about how it's not it's not real until it's a production. But before we we do that, Mari, we're talking about you you and your work out in New York. What is this this piece you just worked on as a director? You're a director too. Yeah, I just directed a show. It was written by and starred my good my good good friend Kara Gordon, who is so talented. She is absolutely fantastic and she wrote this show it was part of uh presented as part of the new york theater festival and it's it's called teeth and it's about three women well really one woman's journey and two women who are sort of around her um living in a surreal version of new york where she works for a sketchy company who is knocking down buildings she works for demolition company and she gets into a relationship with an enigmatic artist Mm. and it's about uh beauty and destruction and love and all death and everything good (laughs) that sounds awesome is it a a really fantastic play play? it's a yeah Yeah. it's a full-length play it ran about 90 minutes and i think she wrote it uh, over the past year while she's been living here in new york and she is yeah she's a really talented writer it's got funny moments it's serious it's it's sexy it's dark and it was just it was like a joy to direct because kind of like the animals it does take place in new york in quotes but it takes place sort of in everywhere and in every time and it's got a lot of universal themes that you can project onto right now in 10 years, we talked a lot about how the, what this play could have looked like in the past, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Mm. And so that was a really that was a really great experience working on a play, a new a new play that had never been put up before that, you know, is so unique and specific, but also had these elements that come recurring throughout theater and history. And it was a great time. Is it was it your first time directing? No, it was not. I actually got to direct this show because I had directed uh, my friend Kara in two other... I directed her in a production, and then I directed her in a reading. I directed her in a production of a show called 14 Maple, which was a one act. It was about 45 minutes um, in early March by another great young playwright, Eric Ray And she was fantastic in that. And then I directed him in one of... Directed her in one of his readings... And so then she approached me because we had worked together so well. And so she approached me about doing the play. And of course I said, yes. And 
it turned out great. That's right. awesome. And I think that's, that's great. Mm. Maybe we should get her on the pod. She would love to talk. She was just on um the Evil Thespian podcast. So she made she made her radio debut. Oh, we Very missed good. her, but we'll be we'll be the runner up. That's fine. Yeah. I'm sure she, I'm sure she'd it. be happy to come on. And uh, how did you two meet? What's that background? Is she studying playwriting? Uh, is she principally an actor or what what's that story? So she is an actor and a playwright. And she she has had she had a couple things put up before. She's from Florida, so she had some things put up before in Florida. And then she moved here and we met through the first production that I ever directed her in through my friend Eric. And we just hit it off. She was a total pro. She came to rehearsal memorized. She's she's a she's one of those great actors who is creative and gives herself space, but also hits every mark, which you cannot understate how good that is when you're dealing with a time limit. The New York Theater Festival, they did time us. We had, you know, space parameters as you always do. And so she was just a total pro and I, <laughs> she's great to work with. And, that she's, sounds a and she's a really talented writer. She's watch out, watch out for this girl. Very, and yes. very good. Yeah. Let's get her on the pod. That's so good because my experience with Amanda and Chance was horrific when we did <laughs> One good marriage. It was, are we live? Are we recording? Because uh, I got to air this out on the radio. No, we we did. And this brings us to the next thing that we did here at Bad Mouth uh, in the Twin Cities. We did our very first production of the great play, One Good Marriage from Sean Raycraft, a Canadian playwright who we've had on the pod. We had him on uh, an earlier episode, if you want to listen to this. There's also a recording of One Good Marriage on this podcast. If you go to badmouthtc.com, you'll find a link to it. And we did that at Phoenix uh, Theater in Minneapolis. Very first production as a theater company. Amanda starred opposite our friend, Badmouth family, Chance Carroll. And I, I directed for the first time. Uh, and you killed it. And you killed it. Oh, thank it. you. Oh, it was, you know, I want to get into it because this was a really serious experience. It was a great deal of uh, fun and very meaningful for me artistically. I got a, a lot out of it. The story behind this production is that Amanda uh, came to me in 2021 when we first met I IRL and you said, direct me in this play. I want you to direct this play with with uh, this actor. And we didn't really go into it too heavy, Amanda. But And I said, hold your horses. You're hot. You're so hot to trot. You just got back to the Twin Cities from D.C. I'm living in this house. I'm getting myself together. Hold your horses. Let's, if we're going to do this, right, let's, let's, I, you know, and I'm, I love that you you were like let's go let's let's go but I was like okay hold on we're going to we're going to do a reading series we at that time we didn't know would lockdowns and covid and mask stuff just come back like mm -hmm. and it's it's a much lighter lift to do a little reading series than it is to do a full production I don't know if yeah. people like a, a full production of a play it doesn't even matter one person show it's just it's just such a two people it you know you're gonna do it in a theater it just exponentially ramps up the level of complexity uh so we we founded the theater company we built our little a little audience over at Waldman 
And then we finally pulled the trigger and said, hey, let's do this. And Sean was gracious enough to uh, uh, just say, hey, take the play and do it. Uh, what a what a great gift. And and we did it. And, and we, we did it. And we cast the great Chance Carroll, who was also on this podcast once before. And you and Chance are like, you're like stage husband and wife. Like you've done what, three or four things together now, like recently? Yeah, that was the third production in like nine or ten months, which almost never happens. Uh, but it just kind of a, a series of fortunate events let it led us there. And I yeah, I couldn't be couldn't be happier. And if you haven't listened to his episode on the pod, please go listen. Chance Carroll is just a doll and a half. And a very talented actor. Uh, oh my and this, goodness! Yeah. And this script, for all of its acclaim and its its brilliance, for actors, there are some challenges in this script. Fair to say, you want to describe some of those? Oofta, as <laughs> us us Minnesotans like to say. Yeah, I think so. When when you're doing a reading of a play, you work on it and you rehearse and you know you have notes and you find some color in it but it's it's almost like you're working in one color like you're just using blue and you're not allowed to use anything else cuz you don't really have time and so you do as much with blue as you can but when you have time for a full production you're allowed all the colors all the things and it's almost like isn't it pure gint where you peel away an onion and you th like one layer of the onion and you think you have it and then it's like oh wait those, there's another layer and oh there's another layer and you just you know you could go on and you could rehearse a play for years and never it'll it'll always be fresh and exciting and you know, it'll make you mad and it'll excite you and it'll, you know, ignite your curiosity two years later. And it's just a good, a great play. We'll do that. And One Good Marriage, it's why I fell in love with it. It's just a wonderful play. And I think we got a lot of uh, compliments and kind of, I think, a little surprise from the audience about what it kind of what it was and how it turned out which mm. always makes me really happy as a as a performer too that that it was something unexpected and beautiful and and they weren't quite they thought they were going to see one thing or they were prepared for another thing and and none of that happened and but they came out still loving it that's mm. that's awesome like yeah. the power of new plays of theater of you know a two actor show with hardly any you know set it's all you know in the audience's imagination they're there with you and that is just awesome and rehearsing a play like that it, it, you know for two actors and directing it it was my first time directing uh it was a case of we really had to break the script down for ourselves mm -hmm. to understand what the play was for us and it's sort of like as the director, you're trying to bring two trains into the station together on tracks right next to each other at a certain speed. So on opening night, they can both kind of go through the station together without crashing into each other. <laughs> you know, they got to be going. And I feel like we accomplished that. And I've been in processes where it doesn't feel like that in my own work and around other work where you're like, oh, we're opening or, oh, we've got previews tonight. This is not done. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm quite pleased with 
our process and how when we got there, we had our invited tech, we had our invited dress, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it wasn't tech, but it was the, you know, the the night before we opened. That was very smart to, to say, hey, because this is a play where the audience is there. Uh, and yes. I made some strong decisions about that, too, because I, you know, I was looking at the our, our friend at Phoenix, uh, Eric, and, you know, we were you know, I'm like, we need lights on house. And he just looked at me kind of like, really? I'm like, yes, we do. Uh, and we, but and we got the, it. Mm-hmm. For the lay people out there, house lighting is like the lighting that is for the audience when they kind of come in to mm-hmm. like get into their seats. And, and then it goes out when, you know, the, the, the play goes on and then the lights just usually go on on stage. Well, this play is very beautiful and challenging and uh strange and eccentric in a way it's, that it, it 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 you know you talk to the audience the audience and is I supposed to it, be there the entire time yeah they are there yeah they're there for they're there for the best party in the twin cities <laughs> <laughs> Dang, i should have used that tagline kevin i yeah next time yeah that's something else we could do we could do a, this is on us we could do a little better job saucing up our promo material being a little more provocative yeah and and one thing that i thought was so serendipitous and odd and beautiful was on I think it was either opening night or Saturday the the night after was there was a there a there was a couple who came in from out of town and didn't know what to see in the Twin Cities and they were kind of like looking for something to do for their anniversary right and this play mm -hmm. this play takes place on Chance and I or the two actors one year anniversary. Indeed. And there's a sign in the back, uh, happy anniversary, half the signs not tacked up. That was very fun. And they were the strangers who came into town to celebrate their anniversary and they just happened to pick our show. So I love it. That is why you do theater where nobody's doing this to get rich and famous. <laughs> Although if it happens, say hey, we'll take it. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you and Chance were, were so easy to direct. I, I really enjoyed the entire process. There wasn't any... You know, there weren't any sour grapes or weird moments. Real, not really. Nothing that made me go, "Oh gosh, this this was a I've made a terrible mistake." What are we doing? Whenever we kind of went down a bad path, we would correct ourselves. And I I felt like I was able to bring my playwright self. Like that was my way into directing. Like I have my aesthetic. Uh, you know, and David Mamet famously wrote that directing is just getting out of the way. And I think that's. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. But then there, there's something to be said about being a, I hate to say this, a formally trained playwright. Ah, but like somebody who really has thought about a lot of plays, I hope that was helpful in oh, the room. Absolutely. And, I, and I've told a lot of people that since, because I said I couldn't believe that it was Kevin's first time directing, but it was so effective, gentle, yet strong in the places that you needed to be or that we needed you to be. Uh, when we felt like lost or mad at the play and we're just like, ah, you know, like actors, we get in all our head and we we get a little cuckoo. Um, but the fact that you had studied structure and you knew what the moments were going to be and you had an insight into Sean's mind as a playwright that not everyone, not all directors do. And so I think, Mari, I was going to ask you if you kind of our our understanding that too or if any actors that you worked with felt that about you because you're also a playwright and a director 
And I feel like that's such a an important and powerful kind of combination, you know? It was, I mean, it was a really, it was a really interesting experience. I've never, I mean, this is my second time directing when the playwright is in the room, but this is my first time directing when the playwright is in the show and was there for every single rehearsal. And it was really, yeah, it kind of felt like digging, digging into her mind and finding structurally things that she had planted in the beginning that did end up paying off closer to the end that maybe she hadn't really noticed and finding all of the characters through lines and where they intersect with that, with our main character in the middle. I, I think that that was the most important thing because we had a very different show than One Good Marriage because One Good Marriage just is in real time. It's about a little over an hour long and it takes place at this party in this room with these people and you just, you go through the motions whereas uh, Teeth took place over a matter of weeks. The mm. scene's take place over a really extended period of time. And so finding out how to do that and add that in structurally, it was its own, that was its own challenge. And it was really fun to work with Kara as a playwright and figure out like the moments in the script and what to play up and what to play down in terms of structure and like her character's journey, where I would have an idea as a director that something had affected the world in a certain way and she would say well that doesn't work for that doesn't work for the arc and so it was it was fun to collaborate like that yeah there were definitely times in our process where i was my playwright hat you would just call it new play dramaturgy like where we're taking a, a play a mm -hmm. contemporary play we're not rewriting the play we're not making material changes to the play but we're trying to deeply understand this play and there was a moment in one good marriage where i said that's the midpoint. And I think when we unlock that, at least for me, that made the play understandable structurally. And then we just beveled out everything around because we rehearsed it up until the midpoint, what we called the midpoint. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. very cool, uh, Mari, that you're also getting that experience. And it does it, ch it changes the way you write plays too, doesn't it? When you're directing, I would say uh, acting changes the way that you write plays more than directing mm, does. But sure. directing certainly does. Once you, if, if you're a playwright and you've never acted in a play, you better go do that right Start away. Start you will change, baby. You will change a lot. The thing, I, the, the thing I always say is that trying to write a play without having, having ever acted, and I don't mean going to Broadway. I'm talking about going to your community theater acting class. I'm talking about any kind of acting, in a reading, anything, getting on stage, trying to write a play without having done that is like trying to write a symphony without knowing how to play an instrument. It's mm -hmm. it's almost an absurd undertaking. You may be the rare bird who's some sort of special genius who can just get it, or you're super eccentric or whatever, but you've got to get on stage just to know what actors want to do, what's fun to do, what frankly sucks to do, and what, what works and what doesn't. And also, if you're a serious working playwright today, you're going to have to work with actors at some point, whether you like it or not. And it's, uh, and it's the best mm. to work with a play that was written by, written by an actor. Mm. That's mm -hmm. a great experience. Right. Somebody who really understands it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that brings us to, and we're coming in hot here. I mean, we're getting into the end of this episode. Yeah. So this is good. Mouthing off. Uh, that's what you're listening to. You can hear it at 94.1 FM, Frogtown Radio, and online, wherever you get your podcasts and at badmouthtc.com. I want to say too, 
we're going to be uh, very soon syndicated by Minnesota Playlist. They're going to start promoting our content there, rolling in what we're doing. The Fringe is coming up. We're on Frogtown Radio. We want guests. If you're in the Twin Cities, or you have a Twin Cities connection, and you've got a show, an event, obviously a play, a reading, you're a musician, you got something going on in the Twin Cities that you want to talk about, you want an outlet, reach out to us. We are at badmouthtc at gmail.com. And you can find us, obviously, through the website, badmouthtc.com. Come on the, the pod. It's an hour. You got three hosts. How many hosts do you need? We're not scary, are we, Kevin? Are we? No, worried? we're not scary. We yeah, can we not. can be we can be scary, but I don't think we are right now. Maybe yeah. maybe just because we talk too much about theater, about something that we love so much. But well, and yes, but that gets into our next thing. So just do not think of this as purely a theater podcast. Uh, we can talk about a great deal of things. If you've got a, sh- uh, a, a you're a filmmaker, you got a film premiering in town here, or you're working on something else. Reach out to us. We want to hear from you. If it's a culture event, if you've got a dance company, you're trying to get something off the ground and you you want a chance to talk about it. Some people balk. They go, oh, an hour. I can't talk about it for an hour. I promise you, you can. I promise you we can make it happen. Uh, so, yes, email us, badmouthtc at gmail.com. Yes, I I mean we are we are theater people and so we love stories inherently or artists and we love stories. So we will be endlessly curious about anything that you have to say, you know. I mean, how many guests did we talk about with Magic about Magic the Gathering with? D&D. It's I mean, mostly D and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it right, Amanda. <laughs> Just, <laughs> but failing. I know I know no, no, you're right. They're the same same ballpark. But as same rough, rough territory. Yes, we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, and if you want to promote your show for 20 minutes and then we just get to know you on the podcast. Great. And again, it goes out over the radio. It's going to be syndicated in Minnesota Playlist and you can hear it online. So it's evergreen. People will always be able to get it. And who knows, maybe it'll put a few additional butts in seats. And if you're a listener, uh, definitely get on our mailing list, badmouthtc.com. The last thing we did recently was another event at Waldman Brewery, I have another podcast, which is a dark biography podcast where we cover the dark side of dead artists. And let me say today, and this is all I'm going to say about it, but rest in peace, Cormac McCarthy. Not mm. only did we lose the greatest writer of his generation, we we quite, depending on how much weight you give arts and letters, we may have just lost the greatest living American. If you believe that it matters as much as I do. Just light a candle for Cormac. Say a prayer if you're the praying kind. Pick up a copy of Blood Meridian <laughs> or The Road, and mm. uh, just just give that give that the weight that it's due. Because I think Americans get to a lot of flack for being Philistines and not cultured and not appreciating or respecting our artists. But boy, the outpouring today on on Twitter around Cormac was heavy. In any case, we did Art of Darkness live here in St. Paul and Winter Dreams, which is one of Fitz's short stories, through my podcast, Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com. My co-host, Brad, came into town. We did it live. You can hear it at artofdarkpod.com. And 
that was so fun. That for me was like I got to bring the worlds together. It was I got to bring both tribes together, the Art of Darkness tribe and the Badmouth tribe. Do you have a good time, Amanda? Oh my gosh, it was so amazing. I mean, first of all, Waldman upstairs was sold out. Packed. I mean, that place was packed to the brim and everybody was, you know, having a a beverage and some great food at Waldman and super excited and and I think it was so awesome. It it changed my performance of Winter Dreams a little bit and how I was thinking about it because of your guys's you know, biography and the layout and everything that he went through and who his parents were and his relationship with his parents and his siblings. And, you know, that that deep dive and that depth was just really rich and really awesome and so exciting to hear live and like to watch you and Brad, uh, you know, uh, be uh, thing one and thing two and, and bounce off each other it was really, really fun. You guys are so great and super talented. And uh, I I highly recommend. Please give give that a listen, and also Art of Dark Pod because it's just it's awesome. Yeah, it was so much fun to do, and I'm just I keep thinking of different ways we can mix these these two things. Like we're doing going to be doing a live show in Detroit next year. Depending on the subject that Brad chooses, there might be an opportunity for you know because some of these Art of Darkness episodes Ooh. go six hours. When we do core episodes, we're not going to do that to an audience. <laughs> So it's a case of like, okay, can we do the pod for 90 minutes, take a break, then have the theater company do something? I don't know. But listen, if you tune in, if you join our mailing list, if you find us on Twitter at BadmouthTC, if you connect with Badmouth Theater Company one way or another, you will hear about that. I thought we were going to have enough time to go into what we've got planned for this coming year, but we don't. So guess what? We're going to do another episode later in the summer where we announce our second half of the 2023 season going into 2024. We're going to have more readings at Waldman. We're going to do another production, the first production of one of our plays. I have to make a decision, and we have to make a decision as a company. Bari's going to probably come back with a reading, uh, and we're, we're going to keep on keeping on. Yeah, any, any, maybe Mar- yeah. Mari is going to have a show produced in New York, which is awesome. Ooh, so maybe yeah. we could do, you know, in 25, do a co-pro or something. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. A collab. Some, <laughs> yes. Uh, a joint. A Bad Mouth Theater Company joint. Well, this is a lot of fun. You've been listening to Mouthing Off, a theater arts and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company on 94.1 FM Frogtown Radio and maybe online. Peace. <laughs>